He is awesome. Can we give a hand to our men for leading us in worship this morning? Just a powerful, powerful time. Praise the name of Jesus. If you would stand with me, please open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Today, taking a little detour from the book of Revelation, even though this time of worship was all about Revelation. Hallelujah. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I wanted to, since Revelation is such a long series, I wanted to take some moments and look at some different things in scriptures throughout and so on. Mother's Day and Father's Day and other days in between, we'll be sure to look at some different things. But the book of Exodus chapter 2 may be a familiar passage to you, and I just want to look at one of the moms here today in the, in the text of Scripture. And so when you got it, say so. And it says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi, so the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river banks. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, because... I drew him out of the water. God, thank you so much for these beautiful reminders of who you are. And as a result, who we are. And as we look at the text of scripture today, Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and specifically to the women, to the mothers in this place. Lord, may you encourage their faith and may you even encourage us as husbands, as sons, as daughters, as children, Lord God, as co-laborers in the kingdom, that we would see the value in moms and their role in our lives, God. May they be celebrated and honored today. As we honor you for them, God, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so today is a Mother's Day message, and I want to speak a, a message entitled, Moms Matter. Moms Matter. And so when you think of the book of Exodus, I would assume, I don't know, I, I know me, when I think of Exodus, I think of Moses, right? Because Moses is the prominent figure in the book of Exodus. He is the, the primary voice. He is the main character, so to speak, that God uses throughout this entire book. You may think not only of Moses, but you may think of Egypt. You may think of what God did in the Exodus when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and he used this man by the name of Moses. However, and uh, Minister Eric said it this morning, he said he thanked God for his mom because because if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be here, literally, hallelujah. 
And it is true, right? When you think about Moses, without Moses' mom, we wouldn't have the story of Moses, right? Now, let me, now, now I want to do some Bible trivia real quick here, right? This is, this is not a trick question. I just want to ask you a question. How many of you know Moses' mother's name? Raise your hand if you know Moses' mother's name. Let me ask you this. How, how many, and when I say no, I mean like you know this. Not that you assume this, but that you know this. How many of you know that her name is in the Bible? Okay, all right, that's good. Now, here, here's what I want you to realize. I didn't know what her name was either, right? I wasn't even sure that it was in the text of Scripture. However, her name is Jochebed, right? What a name, hallelujah, Jochebed, right? Or, you know, I, and so her, her name means Yahweh is her glory, and, and so she was a woman that we don't know much about her, right, other than the fact that she was from the tribe of Levi. And if you go, you don't have to turn there right now, but Exodus chapter 6 verse 20 tells us who she was. And what we know is that she was technically, now hear me when I say this, she was technically Moses' aunt. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that she, she, she was like, Mo, so, so, so Amram, right, which is Moses' dad, right, so his, his dad had a sister by the name of Jochebed, hello, and he was like, yo, auntie, <laughs> and they got married and they had this child, right? Now, now for us, that's kind of crazy, right? That's incestuous, and, and, and so I don't know that it was, it was as bad then as it is now. Nonetheless, I'm not sure that it was necessary either. So, you know, kind of like, you know, the, anyway, anyway. So, so, so ultimately, we see this, and so we would think, you know, there's some issues there, and, and God still, in the midst of that, he used her to birth a Christ figure because Moses is a Christ figure in the Old Testament. She used her, God used her to birth a prophet and a liberator of Israel. That's what God did through this woman. And so here's what I want you to think about this morning. Moms matter even when they seem extra sinful or feel inconsequential. Hello. Moms matter even when they seem extra sinful or they feel inconsequential. Now, here's what I want to say is that there are some moms that are great moms, right? There's no perfect moms, but there are great moms. There are good moms. There are some moms that are better than other moms. There are some moms that are bad moms, and there are some moms that are, man, they, they fail. They, they've just, that's just reality, right? That's just how it is. In general, what I want you to realize is that even though a mom may seem extra sinful in some way, you look at her like, man, how, how could you do that, right? And yet God used her. Or, you know, one of the things that I, that I think that a lot of times moms may feel is they may feel inconsequential. Like, they really don't matter. Like, their, their efforts really, it doesn't really make a difference, right? And so what I want you to realize with me here is that they do matter. And moms, you need to hear that. And so this morning, for everybody who is not a mother in the room, I need you to not check out on me. I need you to just be here with me in this message. But just know that I want to speak to the moms in the room specifically. I want to encourage the faith of the moms. I want to encourage them to continue what they're doing, whatever stage or age in life they find themselves. And a few things that I looked at, looking at Jochebed's life and this portion of scripture here that we see in the book of Exodus stood out to me. And so as I thought about a mom that I wanted to celebrate is one that none of us even knew her name, yet we know her son. We know her son well. Even, even, even people who don't know the Bible, they know who Moses is. Because Moses is such an important, prominent figure. And so for someone that would seem inconsequential, like she doesn't matter, oh, she mattered a lot. 
And these little passage here, we get to see some things about her. And I want you to notice that she's important enough to be mentioned not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament as being one who is actually in Hebrews chapter 11. She's not mentioned by name. We're going to see that in a moment. But she is mentioned as a parent who was part of the, the faith community that demonstrates what it is to have faith in God. So the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after, this, after me is this. Say, to become a mom is to become... A conduit of destiny. To become a mom is to become a conduit of destiny. That's the reason why moms matter. Because you as a mom are a conduit of destiny. God has given women the privilege. Think about this, ladies. God has given you the privilege to carry destiny in your wombs. Think about that. You get to do something that nobody else does. You, you, I mean, I, I know you're like, yeah, I get to get stretch marks. I know, right? I, you, you know, my body gets to go through changes. And, and, and I, I mean, you, yeah, that, I, I know. But, but, but I'm just saying on the positive side, right? You are the carrier of this destiny. You are the one who can pray often and, 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 and much over this child as no one else can. You can speak to this child while this child is in the womb as no one else can. Now, I will say this. Birth is not the end of being a conduit of destiny, and sometimes it's not even the start because the fact is there are some moms that become moms through adoption. There's some moms that become moms because a, a mother was not able to continue to care for the child. There are some moms that, you know, they become moms because of what? Because it wasn't even like they're not really the mom, but they are the mom. You know those, those scenarios, those relationships where someone is looking to you for that motherly love and affection, and you become that conduit of destiny in that child's life. Moms help shape and mold their children for destiny. That's why moms matter. Each of us has been created, think about this, with a specific purpose in mind. And if moms are going to be faithful with their role in the life of their children, they must seek to align with the mind of God and point their children to Christ and aim for them. We need to, as, as moms, you would have to really, God, I want to be faithful with what you have entrusted me with. I want to be faithful in being this conduit of destiny in the lives of my children, be they biological or be they some other way. I want to be faithful in that. The way you do that is not by molding them the way you want or what you desire, but it is by aligning with and becoming attuned to how God and why God created them. And so we look at these verses. You look at verse 1 and verse 2. He said, And a man of the wife of, of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. <laughs> when, when I read that, it's like, okay, so if he would have been an ugly child, what would she have done, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, but, but we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But ultimately, she, this is what it was. She saw something in him. It wasn't just physical beauty. It wasn't just that he was, what the text is really telling us is that she as a mom saw prophetically what it was that God had purpose for Moses. Now she saw a beauty on him. Because here's the thing, children, I mean, come on, man, in the eyes of, of moms, I mean, I don't, y'all know you've seen pictures of children. Come on now. Amen, amen. 
They're, they're, they're not as, as cute as your children. We'll just say it like that, right? We'll just say it that way, right? They're, they're you know, they're, yes, oh, you know, you, you, know, you know how it is, right? <laughs> but there is, I, I, there, there is I, I, relatively few moms that are going to look at their child and be like, mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> She, she sees that baby and she sees the beauty in her baby, right? But, but it's not talking about just physical beauty. She saw something in him. And moms, what I would say is this. The greatest achievement a mom will have is to live out, hear me now, is to live out her destiny before her children living as an example of faithful devotion to God. Think about this now. If you are going to be successful in molding your child, your sons, your daughters for destiny, you've got to live your destiny. Because if you don't, guess what? They're going to be like, I don't have to do anything because mom wasn't doing anything. I, I, I don't, what, 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 but when they see a mom who is committed to the purposes of God. So here's my, my, my couple of questions here that I have for you. The, or, or I'll say this and then I'll ask you these questions. The foundation for destiny is built upon the example of godly parents. In an ideal situation, there's two parents. But moms, I want to talk to you because you are part and in some cases you are the only parent, the only example, the only witness of what it means to live for the glory and for the honor of God. And so so here's my questions, mom. How has God wired you? What is it? How? Because God created you specifically for specific things. God has given you some stuff. What passions has God given you? What, what, what is it that God has just burned inside of you? Are you following that? How about this? What gifts has God endowed you with? Do your children see you walking in that? Do your children see you living out that purpose? And part of that purpose for sure is raising them, praying with them, leading them in faithfulness. But there are other things your children need to see. Come on now. They need to see you fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. Yesterday, for the moms that were uh, able to make it, you'll remember that you I read an article to the moms about, uh, about five ways to deal with mom guilt. And uh, as, I, as I went through that, you know, this mother was sharing in, the, in, in her story, and she was saying how her child asked her to come to uh, her school, to, to his school, to speak on the day for career day. And the mom felt this overwhelming guilt like her child was being condemning until the next day when or when the child when he came when she came to school and the the child introduced his mom to the class tells the mom hey this is my mom she has the best job in the world she tells people about Jesus all the time and that's what I want to do too when I grow up and so she was feeling overwhelmed by guilt, and yet she was walking out the destiny God had for her, and at the same time, simultaneously was doing what? She was instilling destiny in her kids. Jochebed was doing the same thing. She was following the wisdom of God. She was following the will of God and the purpose of God. The second thing that I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, to become a mom is to become a life giver. To become a mom is to become a life giver. Look at verse 3 to 6. It says, but when she could no longer hide him, 
She took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river banks. And his sisters stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidservants walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she, went, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Now, I want you to notice the irony here, and it is because what was supposed to happen in chapter 1 was all of the male children were supposed to be killed but the Egyptian midwives would not obey what they were being told to do because they feared God and because of that what the king commanded was this since you are not doing your job all of the male children that are found and born they are to be thrown into the river so they would drown and die and where does she put him in the river where they were supposed to drown and die, and that is the way that God actually saved him. Think about that. She was a life giver. From the moment, think about this, ladies. From the moment of conception, a mom is chosen to give life. Think about that. From the moment of conception, if we believe that God is the author of life, I do. I don't know about you. If we believe that God is the author of life, then we have to believe that the moment there is conception, God has chosen that mom to give life to this child. That's heavy. I don't have that, I, I don't have that option. As a man, I don't. But God chooses you to be the life giver. And guess what? At the risk of her own life, you as a woman, you say yes. You know how many women die annually in childbirth? An average of 700. Now think about this for a moment. All of the technological advances we have. Imagine how many women died giving birth to children back then. Now I, I have, I have a, we, we, not me, we have a story of when Alexis was being born, I can assure you, had we been in those days, I would have been raising Alexis as a single dad. Because everything that had to happen in order to save my wife's life. So what I'm saying is there, there, there's a big thing that women do, and that's why we want to honor them in those moments. But here's what I want you to realize. In this specific context, not only was it the danger that just came along or comes along with childbirth, but there was also the danger of what would happen if she bore a son and kept him. Think about this. If you, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, look what it says. This is where I tell you that she's mentioned. It says, by faith Moses, right? It's not Moses' faith, but by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was beautiful, a beautiful child. Again, here we go. If he was an ugly child, we're throwing him out. No, that isn't, right? But if you read it like that, that's how it comes across. No, but he says this, but look at the next part of the verse. And they were not afraid of the king's command. They were not fearful of the king's command. 
Because they had faith in Yahweh, the one that we sang to today. Jochebed saw a particular beauty in Moses. Again, she saw the purpose, uh, the destiny that was in him. She saw the hand of God that was upon her child. She saw God's purpose, and she chose to do what? She chose to risk her life to preserve his. This is why moms matter. This is why we honor our moms. This is why we, we thank God for them despite their imperfection, despite where they may fall short, despite all of those other things. We thank God for them. Not only did she risk her life to keep him, but look what she did. We saw this here. She entrusted his safety to the Lord when she couldn't protect him anymore. Think about that. She came to a place. Now, listen, this comes at different stages, right? I don't know that this comes at three months of age for most moms. But at three months of his life, she couldn't keep him anymore. And she said, you know what, God, I got to trust him to you. I have to trust my son to you. I'm going to build this thing that you will preserve him for a little bit. But, man, I mean, there's, a bunch, there's crocodiles here. I mean, there's, there's all kind of stuff that can happen, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to entrust him to you in this moment, I am going to trust that you have given him to me. And so, Lord, I'm giving him back to you. I can't, I can't keep him. He's, I see the destiny and purpose. However, I can't do it. And so what we realize is that part of being a life giver is entrusting our children to the life sustainer. I'll say that again. Part of being a life giver is entrusting our children to the life sustainer in the right ways at the right time, even when it seems radical. See, moms, you, 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 you need to lead your kids faithfully no matter what anybody else says around you. No matter what anybody else's opinions are around you, you lead your children the way that God calls you to lead them. Listen, whatever that is, don't, don't, don't let anyone condemn you or make you feel some kind of way. You lead your children faithfully, and that way they will know the life sustainer. Trust and trust them to the Lord. Uh, had she held on to her son, think about this, three months, right? That's, that's, that's insane. But had she held on to Moses after those three months, guess what would have happened? One of the guards that was, that was going to come from the Pharaoh was going to know that she had a son. And guess what? He was going to end up in that water to die. And yet she radically trusted God with him. And so that's why we thank God for our moms. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say to become a mom is to become a cultivator of character. Y'all talking low. To become a mom is to become a cultivator of character. To become a mom. I mean, this. I mean, I don't know about, about you, but when I look at this story here, it, it, it's overwhelming to me to see what God does. And what I want to say is this, is that this is obviously descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Everything that you see here is not going to happen in every single situation. God is not going to always do everything he did for Jochebed here in, in, in Moses' life. But look at this in verse 7. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for, um, from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. Look at that. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. 
She got a job, glory to God. She got paid to take care of her baby. So not only is her baby preserved, but she is given the blessing of continuing on in this, in this um, being the nurse for him. But not just the nurse, but also the nurturer. In this time of development in Moses' life, guess who is the one who is nurturing him? Not just physically, but also spiritually. You think about this situation where she is there and, and she is, is, you know, obviously breastfeeding the child, nursing this child, and at the same time, she is rejoicing. I can, I can only imagine the tears rolling down her face like, man, I no longer have to hide my baby anywhere, but out in the open, hallelujah, look at me, glory to God. I mean, she is, she is there with the blessing of the Pharaoh's daughter. Can't nobody touch her, and she is able to walk with this child and, 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 and bless this child and pray over this child. And I assure you, let this child know who he is and whose he is. Raising this child to understand, cultivating, de depositing in his life. Listen, we don't wait until our kids are 10 years old to start depositing truth in their life. If we do, it's way too late. By three, so much is already developed in them. It's important for us that we are pouring into them as early as possible, helping them to understand who they are. You can't start parenting when they're teenagers. Hello, somebody. And so Moses' mother, Jochebed, is able to nurture this child. And then I love this in Acts chapter 7, verse 20 to verse 28. It says this, and this is also right here in the passage when you look at verse 11. I just want, I want, to see what, I want you to see what it says in the New Testament as well, which is repeating this story. It is Stephen, and when he's about to be killed, he is preaching to the children of Israel, reminding them of their history, and he says these words. He says, at this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. Again, that's where that beauty comes in, right? He was well pleased. It wasn't because Moses had done something. It's because God had done something. It wasn't because Moses has act, had acted in any way. It was because God's purpose on his life was there. And God had a purpose with Moses. He was pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set but when he but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him, took him away, and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deed. Now, when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. I want you to notice what the text is saying. The text is saying that there is something that has happened. Over these last 40 years, Moses has been in the comfort of the palace, in the comfort of Pharaoh's home, and, 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 and he's been in this teaching and learning, and yet there is something that stirs inside of him. We, we would believe, I mean, I know I would believe that God is the one who awakened this in him, but nonetheless, it says this. Verse 24, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Now, where would he get these ideas from? Why, why would they think about him being a deliverer? unless there was something that was deposited in him. He hadn't had the burning bush experience yet. Hello. 
He hadn't, he hadn't had this encounter. And trust me, the encounters that Moses had with God are going to be written out in the scriptures for us, for us to know when God was giving him destiny and direction. And so up until this point, what do we know? We know that Jochebed must have done a great job in pouring into him some things that made him understand, man, oppression of my people is wrong. Made him understand, man, my people can't be uh, in this situation like this. He was moved with compassion to go out there to defend the rights of those people that were his brethren. Verse 25, he says, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them. So in one sense, he's trying to deliver them. In the other sense, he's trying to reconcile them. He's trying to be a pastor to these people. Hallelujah. He's trying to minister to them. He's trying to help them to understand, hey, man, you guys are brothers. Why are you acting this way? Saying, man, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong, obviously the one who was, who was the antagonizer here, pushed him away saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And then we know the rest of the story. If we don't, Moses runs away because like, oh, my goodness. These words are going to make it to the ears of Pharaoh, and I am done. And he runs, and 40 years later, he comes back as this great deliverer. While God awakened in Moses, there is no question he awakened the deliverer in Moses. It is safe to assume that God used those intimate moments with his mom to teach him of his heritage, to remind him of God's promises and even God's commands. This was all part of the cultivation of his character. I thank God because my wife, she is, she is the one, I, told, I think I've told you this before, that Josiah prefers her over me at nighttime when it's time to do the whole bedtime routine and everything like that. And so she reads with him. She reads the scriptures with him, right, the kid's Bible. She's gone through it once already. She's going back through it with him. And she was telling me the other day how much he has learned and, and he'll answer questions and how he's growing and the understanding of who God is. I thank God for that example of a woman who is saying, you know what, as of a mom who is saying, man, I want to pour into my son the truth of Scripture. I, wa I want him to know the word of God. I, I, I thank her. I thank God for that because guess what? I remember my grandmother sitting down with me when I was young like Josiah and asking me, hey, you know, what do you want to read and what do you think I want to read? I want to read David and Goliath, glory to God. Every My grandma, I know she hated asking me that question. She's like, let me read something different to him. But nonetheless, she read those scriptures to me faithfully. And then she would ask me, so what does this mean? And, you know, I was all into Hulkamania and, you know, wrestling. And y'all don't know about Hulkamania anyway. But, but anyway, I was into wrestling and, uh, and, and I was into, you know, all this muscle stuff and, and, and she was like, what is it? And I said, you know what this means, Grandma? It doesn't matter how strong you are physically. It matters how strong you are in God. Little boy learning about who God was. And that little boy strayed away hard and walked away from God in a big way. But you know what brought me back was my mom reading God's word to me in those little opportune moments. Said, hey, let me read this to you. And I'd be like, all right, go ahead, read this. And then God would like punch me in the chest with truth. And I remember getting what she reads to me. What is it? Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge and only fools despise wisdom and instruction. I remember hearing those words and I walk out of my house and I go sit in the car with my friends. And I'm like, yo, we're a bunch of fools. 
And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, man, my mom just read this scripture to me, right? I'm like a heathen, right? And she just read this scripture to me, and I quote the scripture to them. I start, I preach a mini sermon, and you know, like fools, right? They were like, man, all right, bro, whatever. Just roll that blunt, whatever. They didn't care about changing. But you know what? God was dealing with me through what? Through the word of God. He was molding my character. He was cultivating my character. I didn't even realize what was going on. But he was so, so moms, every opportunity you have, be in God's word with your children. Be in the scriptures with your children. Help cultivate their character. And let me say this, I was 17 years old, so it's never too late. Come on now. You got to be opportune with them 17-year-olds though, hey. Because they ain't trying to hear you all the time, right? But there are moments you can catch them. You got to be wise. You got to be wise, amen. Proverbs 1.8 says this. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be a graceful ornament around your head and chains about your neck. And so when Solomon is writing these words to his son, he is telling his son, don't just listen to papa, listen to mama. Don't just listen to my teaching Listen to the instruction. Literally, that word is Torah, the Torah of your mom, the law, the, the, the truth, the teaching, the instruction, the doctrine, the standards. Moms, you are called to set some standards for your kids. You are called to set the bar high so your kids can reach up to Jesus. Hello. See, here's the thing. If we just teach our kids to be respectful, I know that's honorable. Like, we don't want kids running around being disrespectful, do we? The other day we had, we had, we had a situation in my house. Somebody, I don't know why this, these, anyway, I don't know why people do stuff like this. But anyway, this, this young man, I guess he was in a rush. I didn't know who it was. And so he, he parked his car literally like halfway in front of my driveway. So my mother-in-law is going to have issues coming out. His other buddy parked across the street, so I didn't know who the cars were. When I was coming back, back home, as, as Providence would have it, hallelujah, I see them coming out of the home where they are, and um, the young man is, is walking to his car. I rolled down my window, and I'm like, yeah, man, you, 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 know, you parked halfway in front of my driveway. Very respectful. Yes, sir, I'm sorry, sir. The other one, I, I'm going I'm to I'm just be honest with you. I, was like, I, felt, I, I, I felt for the boy. He got a ticket, right? The other one? He was a little disrespectful, something that I wanted to just slap. Hello. I'm just keeping it 100 with you. I know I'm your pastor. I'm just letting you know. I'm just keeping it with you. Like, hey, because he was so disrespectful. His whole demeanor, there was no, you know why? Because someone else didn't spank him when he needed to be spanked. But let me say this. That's not enough. Because you can be respectful. And you can be honorable, and you can know how to act when adults enter the room. You can know how to respect your elders, and you can still go to hell. And moms, the most important thing is not just that your kids get a good job or go to an Ivy League college or they get a great education or they live in the right neighborhood or they marry the right person. No, no, no. Your greatest thing is that your children come to know Christ. And when you are instructing them in the things of the Lord, guess what? The scripture says in the book of Galatians that the law of God is a tutor to bring us to Jesus. 
And so it's important for us that we don't forget, moms, the gospel is what it's about. To point our kids to Christ, to point them to the Lord, to make sure that, listen, don't just point them like this, point them like this, live it before them. And so I close with this. Can we thank God for moms that matter? Can we give a hand to the moms in this room? Can we thank God for even the moms that are not here? My mom's not here. My grandma's not here. And I just want to say this, moms, thank you for carrying, birthing, and preserving destiny in us. Moms, thank you for being life givers at the risk of your own lives and pointing us to the giver of life. Moms, thank you for cultivating our character, leading us by example, and setting a standard that is so high that it is only attained through Jesus Christ. Moms, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If there's a mom next to you, put your hand on her and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for these moms. We thank you so much for this day, this privilege, this opportunity that we have to celebrate the moms that you have given us, the ones that are here. Jesus, give them wisdom, give them strength, give them the grace that they need in order to follow you closely and to lead us faithfully, God. Father, for anyone in this room that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, may they turn to you today. Lord, may they bow their hearts before you today. Lord, may they surrender their will, their desires. May they call upon you for salvation, God. And Father, we thank you for this, and we pray all of these things, believing in Jesus' good and mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. He is worthy. <laughs> Hallelujah.